Oh, sure. Like, I'm, please, let's go in. I was about to ask. <laughs> when we linked up with Joshua Kissy of Street Etiquette and Tonal, his homie Cleon Gray tagged along to sit in. After the first round of discussion ended, a conversation naturally spun out with some interesting tangents that arose around a different perspective on what it means to even have a seat in creative culture now. I'm Cleon Gray, friend of Josh, creative around the city, the person you see at all the parties acting crazy. <laughs> but as a day job, I'm an interaction designer and a visual designer in different mediums. Over the course of our conversation, one big takeaway emerged. A more democratic industry often introduces a conflicting opinion. The negative and dystopian take is that those who have worked hard lose out to newcomers who can do it for cheaper, and it's a race to the bottom. But for a particular subset, democracy means opportunity, an opportunity that perhaps didn't always exist. For Cleon, he's seen all the things Joshua's put his mark on and how he's been able to progress and take on new projects and challenges along the way. Something I tell Josh all the time is that, you know, I think what gets people excited when they see new works, especially from him and other creatives that they've had investment with is a project that's almost a natural extension of what you would, what you would expect to come next. You know, he's been doing these creative works with Striatic for, for a very long time, doing photography. They know he has interest in visuals and, and, and community and culture. Then he comes out with a stock photography uh, company, which is all in line with those things that they've seen before. I think a lot of people, whether they realize it or not, when you invest in someone, it's almost like investing into a child. And their growth needs to be as natural and almost as genuine as you'd expect it to be. And those are the things that I feel like resonate the most. You know, Cardi B comes out with a song. She's a stripper. She makes a song about potentially stripping and blah, blah, blah. Oh, wow, that's so dope. That's so genuine. I think people like grab onto that authenticity when they know like it's something that they would expect from you. If you close your eyes and said, damn, Josh has done street etiquette and tonal. What's the next thing that I can imagine him doing? Damn, he came out with a movie about all this, about all this, or a documentary. That seems like what would happen next. Or he comes out with, as you was mentioning before, these different satellite offices for Tony that all around, that are all around the world and places that he has connections to in Ghana, in Nigeria for for Karen, and we already have one in New York, LA, you know, so forth and so on. Like if that happened, everybody would be like, damn, I would see that coming. So I think a lot of things that creators should be doing or something very important they should be doing. So what's the most natural extension from where you are now that someone would be like, oh, that's exactly what I would think for you to be doing next. And I think that you should be doing that as as a creative anyway to find that source. But once you find that source, you can easily extend to what's, the, what's gonna be the next thing. Joshua and Cleon are both natural on the mic. Their relationship dates back to right around high school. They both shared a similar path that led them to an important part of black creative culture in New York, Brooklyn Circus. Started by Ouija Theodore, Brooklyn Circus was a meeting point for black creatives. Uh, we met on a Metro North train. But we, went but, but we went to the same high school. Yeah, we went to the same Apparently high school. we went to the same high school. I've never school. seen him in high school, but we didn't know that's, each other that's back That's when I was then. wearing uh, Kuji, Kuji, Kuji Uptowns. <laughs> Nike still needs to give me money for that. No, no, I'm no. telling you, I did it before Dipset, Cameron, I want my check. <laughs> I'm serious. Like, no, we did it in ninth grade. This was 2000 and like, I think two. Oh, when God. I dropped them with the Kuji Harlems, I want, I want credit. Oh, we cut God. up a Kuji sweater. We put him on a toe box. We put him on a swoosh. <laughs> Nobody had done before. Game, set, match. Came in with the, the, the spray painted tees oh, from Harlem, from Fordham Road. I remember the straight, spot. Straight streetwear. This is like the basis of streetwear. I'm owning it. I want the culture to know. No. no, we met on a Metro North train yeah. and we're both going to the same, same place, place and we didn't even know. Like we're going to the Brooklyn Circus, it was run by Ouija Theodore and he was going there for a different reason than I was, but we ended up at the same train stop going there. And it, it made sense. I mean, at that time, the Brooklyn Circus, I mean, still is today, but it was like a beacon of conversation, a beacon of light in a lot of ways where 
whole bunch of creatives, a lot, especially a lot of black creatives would go there, just talk about whatever they were going through, the ideas they had. And Ouija is really good in like mentoring and, and giving guidance and a lot of those elements. So it was a super early part of like at least digital black creativeness. Like how do you express that? And for a lot of people like Stratikir, Brooklyn Circus, Art Comes First. Um, I mean, for the people, like those are the first references that they had. Um, and that space was like great in like building that reference. Like that was like a, we were called like a global village and that was like the meeting point. After linking together, we explored how both Cleona and Joshua's friendship and working relationship came about. I mean, from our perspective, I think Josh and I have a core appreciation of people and love for people that is like really ingrained. And from him growing up in the church, I guess that's where he got it. And for me, it was maybe a lacking of that growing up and that's something I always sought out. And I know we just have a lot of like interpersonal things that we both value just as highly as everything else. Like we love people, we love family, we have values, we care about friendship, we care about culture, we care about people, we care about, you know, representation, ownership. So like we have a lot of core values that I think like we really, really truly like are in line with, and, and not just from a, a token perspective or a trend perspective. It's like, if we weren't doing what we're doing now, I think we'd be exercising those beliefs in other areas. You know, he's in a fully creative realm where he's, you know, doing creative entrepreneurship. And I work for a company for the majority of my income. And I think that I'm exercising just as much of my beliefs in that environment as he is in his. No, absolutely. It's true. I mean, it goes to show, like, even if you're at a nine to five, like, how do you, you know, in those other hours or whatever the case is, like, how do you cultivate like that perspective and and like the people you're around when you're not in the office or and, and the things you can't control like I just I have the liberty of like waking up and be like well my day is going to be like this from this time and that time and like yeah sometimes it's hard because all that pressure is on you as a creative entrepreneur in a sense and that's still like I don't even know if that word is like a thing a creative entrepreneur I've never seen like I've never seen a title or anything about someone that. Someone made it up, so we got to use it. Now. Yeah, we got to use it. It just, it just <laughs> someone, seems, someone it just seems up, befitting. But I looked at creative and like that word has been used way more in the last ten years than it was any other time in in history. It's crazy. Like create, like creative. Like so, people are just like waking up and like I'm a creative. I think there's power in that, and I've had like debates with other friends with them. Like, no, that's whack because like they don't they don't serve their purpose. They don't earn their stripes, and they wake up and be like, I'm a director now. I'm a photographer. But I'm like, there's power in that though. Like, there's so much power in being able to visualize where you want to go. Maybe put aspiring or whatever in your head, but the thing is like they're there mentally. Like, just let them get there instead of like shooting them down, feeling like nah, you can't put that in your title. But I think now that's the power of the internet, of community and connectivity to be like, wake up the next day and be like, yo, I'm a photographer. If you took a photo subjectively and it's good to certain, like you are a photographer, you love it. That's all that matters. Or, you know, I feel like now, if if I was 16 and looking at everything that's happened on Instagram, I'll be so inspired to be like, yo, I know where my career is going to be instead of when I was 16 and being like, I don't know where my career is exactly. going to be. You can be at Louis Vuitton. You could own your own company. You could be, you know, a celebrity or influencer, whatever, whatever, whatever wants, anyone wants to call it. But I think all the opportunities now are endless. Like, I remember being very young. Like, I don't know where any of this is going to go. Like, the things that I'm doing now, I didn't study in school at all. Like, I got all my education from just doing all these side projects with Josh over the years or just being at college, doing student television, picking up cameras, playing with stuff, being curious in different realms, and it just got me to where I am now. And even within my job, because of that creativity and that constant need to discover new things, like, I'm not even just a visual designer. I'm a project manager. I'm a pseudo product manager in, in a sense. So it's like, I had five jobs in one just because whatever you can do, trust me, in, in, in a corporate setting for sure, they're going to make sure that you're doing it. <laughs> 
people yeah, like, oh, he has true. talent doing this. Let's make him do sales. He has a talent speaking. Let's make him do client relations. He has a talent design. Let's get him to design something. And I think that's the next evolution of all this stuff. Is like, how do these creative worlds that Josh is influencing the corporate world? And I think what people are seeing in, in, in at least my corporate setting that I spend the majority of my day in is that they're giving these these walls regarding titles are breaking down. You know, so while the creative may be striving to have a title, in my corporate world, those titles are breaking down. Like how people have predators, so you're producing your editor. Like it's been happening for years now, but I can attest to the fact that, you know, it's just like, what are you best to do? Someone's gonna put you in that position and have you run off and do it, whether you need training or whatever, but that's gonna be the goal. I never heard of Predator. Uh, it's a yeah, producer editor. So yeah, I've never heard produce, of yeah, that. Yeah, like, I've, I've really been hearing that for, for years for a minute. That's crazy. <laughs> so, never heard of it. While the word predator had us laughing for a second, the conversation turns towards Macon and the consideration of what it means to create in this day and age and the impact you want to leave. What do you feel like, at least for you, like being in media and knowing that like, I mean, the content you guys put out is just amazing. Not just because you're here, but I was telling him about Macon and I was like, it's just so like thoughtful and meticulous work. I could tell you guys put into every detail of what you're doing. Then you have sites who, you know, not that you can't update every day, but it's a little bit more like, surface level stuff for people to take in. So media in general is changing so much from politics, culture, creativity. Like, where do you guys, like, how do you, yeah. When it came to like setting up what Macon was going to be, the, the challenge was thinking what exists, what is something that actually is something we want to challenge and compete against and what is something that's entirely different. And I think a good way of looking at it is that the majority of media currently in the digital space has gone this sort of Netflix, like let's cover everything nothing really matters. It's like there's bits and pieces of things that are really good. Or can you be like the HBO Game of Thrones type vibe where you're like once a week, twice a week, whatever, and just hopefully have like a meaningful impact. And there is challenge with that because sometimes in this digital age, it's really about how often you're in front of people because, you know, you're, you might only be on the front page of something for four hours. Or, you know, if you're not online on Twitter at 12.37 p.m., you know, barring an algorithmic sort of like boost or whatever, you might never see it. So like that's sort of the value of being in front of people all the time. Like maybe it's a little bit easier, but it, it's not exciting to us. Just like it's not exciting for you to do something that is like something that's been done before and someone just wants you, hey, here's here's like a brief, copy this thing from like five years ago and just do it in your style. Like that might not be interesting to you. And I think that in this whole creative landscape of like we've been talking about is there's so much wastage, there's so much stuff that already exists. Like I'm not, I want to be in a position to challenge all of us to be able to do something or maybe think more provocatively. Like that's why when I was so excited to talk to you because you having a very strong opinion on how to combine all these difficult topics, but through the lens of creativity is incredibly interesting to me. Like I said, I felt I'm always very uncomfortable talking about race because I've come from a place that has sort of diminished race in a way that it's just like, we're all equals. Right. And like growing up in Canada, like you didn't necessarily use it as a sense of pride. Like, oh, I, I grew up with like Haitian people, um, Hondurans, uh, Koreans and Chinese people. It's just like, oh, like this is my friend. This is my friend. It really yeah. bothers me. Yeah. It's, it no, it really bothers yeah. me because it's not true equality. It's really equality is being able to recognize someone different, someone's differences, accept those things and be able to still, you know, love, respect and accept all that. Like that's true equality. Like you don't to be just because you're different, you know, doesn't mean that you can't be equal. Everything doesn't need to be the same to have equality. You know, men and women can never will never be the same, quote unquote. But however, we can still be equal as far as respect, the ability for achievement, attainment, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> I don't want to go too yeah. far. But. You guys obviously all have a lot of things to say. And I'm always curious, like, where are you guys like presenting these thoughts? So I think these thoughts, whether they're right or wrong, like 
I think it's more the fact that they have somewhere to live. And I think that is the biggest, most important thing. Like that's why I think Tonal has such an important role because it could very well just morph into like a media company. You know what I mean? So I think that is what's the most fascinating thing about it is like all these things that I'm curious about and I think that people might feel uncomfortable talking about by virtue of us having this conversation. My goal is like not necessarily to arrive at truth because truth is still something that we're all trying to figure out, but we want to arrive at truth. But the fact that you have a place for this is hopefully putting someone that has not had the ability to speak with anyone because they're afraid of it, as you mentioned. At least it's out there now, as you said. And I, I'm always worried that like in a time and place right now where there's only 24 hours in a day, the media cycle is inherently dominated by certain topics that are important. But what is what is the progression of us as a culture and society talking about that? Or is it more of a means to an end because this person needs to serve more ads? A lot of a lot of that is a ladder that I see. You know, certain conversations and topics just get brought up because they know it's, it's a traffic driver. You know, every couple of weeks you just hear some weird random, I know you got some weird random thing about you know, some very myopic topic that's regressive and redundant in many ways, but it's like, we know people can get upset about this. We know it's going to get them riled up. It's not an accurate representation of the of the topic at hand. It's more episodic in nature, more so than actually in depth. We throw it out there, people get upset, they have a reaction, you get views, you get clicks. Like media nowadays, for the most part, in my opinion, is like, is trash. And I hate to say that because I know that paints the entire industry with a broad brush. But if you have a business that's solely focused on capital and creating money and not doesn't have a purpose and a goal beyond that, you will always lose, period. Yeah. Period. I don't care what anyone yeah. says. Like you need to have a purpose. You need to, whether you're selling, a, you're serving burgers, yeah, I want my burgers that either taste the best, be the most, you know, the cheapest burger, whatever the case may be, but you got to like keep executing on that mission. Without it, without that mission, your mission can't be to be money. Then just go to stock market, be on, be on Wall Street if that's the case. One thing that's interesting is that there's often a binary answer to the current state of creative affairs. Some people lament the democratic nature of anybody can be anything. The traditional gatekeepers or those who have put in years of work may feel slighted. For those who are never granted an opportunity, it's certainly a different and refreshing feeling. One thing that you guys discussed I thought was really interesting is that over the course of all these conversations I've had in the past week, everyone has a very dystopian view of how like culture is playing out. But like you guys were like, oh, you know what? It's amazing that we all have this sort of opportunity now to do something, right? And I, I'm, I'm curious like why that is. It's like, because a lot of people I talk to and this is me just being curious is that like, do you feel that, you know, 10 years ago, you know, 15 years ago, your opportunity maybe was limited, but now it's like, it's open. Whereas like all these people that I talked to, like they weren't necessarily like, the blackmail, like they, they maybe always had some sort of like opportunity. And that's sort of the blindness I was trying to like shed myself because there has to be someone out there that sees value in this current sort of creative landscape that maybe like, maybe the Asian dude might've, or the, the white creative might've never had that sort of thing holding them back. Cause you guys have been super positive. And I was like, oh, this is like refreshing because all, I've only heard the opposite the last week of all, a lot of people I've talked to. <laughs> wow. As far as what, as far as- Just like, oh, everyone sucks. Everyone thinks they're entitled. Like, you know, <laughs> everything like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. but you're seeing a different, like whether or not you can do the job, it doesn't matter. The fact that you have the opportunity is actually more important. Yeah. Whereas no, like maybe all these other people had the opportunity, which is why now they see it like, oh, it sucks. That's that's very, yeah, maybe it is that. Maybe it's more so like I've, I've been able to, 
know that the path I'm on, I just feel so grateful to be on the path. I know it feels bad, like, oh, you shouldn't feel um, happy to just be in the room. You should be doing like, you know, the most best work and all that good stuff. But I think it's subjective as you, as you ask person to person. But for me, it's just like, I know there's tons of kids like me right now, currently uh, getting out of school, you know, getting out of high school and feeling hopeless about their future. Like, that's not fair. Like, that's not, that's not, not even like, yo, I'm gonna, I mean, the, the kids in Connecticut, you know, parents got a little bit more money. They're like, yo, I'm gonna, you know, trash myself and drink through in college. Then miraculously in one year, I'm gonna clean up and be on Wall Street and be accepted as a, like, that's crazy. Like, I mean, that's, so, that's sort of just the white privilege a lot of people have, whereas you could trash yourself all through college, get out of college and be clean cut, be amazing and be on Wall Street, taking a Metro North with nice suit, you know, and that's great. And it's not about like just victimizing. I'm not trying to like just go at white people in general. I'm just letting people know the, the polar opposites from that. And, and there's classism involved as well, because growing up in inner city, going to a public school, like there's just not a lot of lift to like where you could go. And I feel like a lot of kids, uh, like I was saying earlier, coming out of school just feeling helpless. Like, I don't know where my path is going to be. Like, I might be in the streets. It just I just might get a government city job and make my parents happy. But for me, just knowing that, like, yo, these kids are geniuses. Like, literally, like, the cultural lexicon that they have in their head is worth millions and billions. And that's why companies all around the world have consultants and have people to like give them this information. But it's unfortunate, like not that it needs to be commercialized, but if you're just a consumer, you can't create and stuff like that. I think that's not necessarily all the time true. Like if somebody, and it's all, it's so crazy because it's just all a matter of lack of, lack of information, lack of resources, lack of support. And you, you're in this place that I've been in a lot of those rooms, classrooms, um, subways or what, whatever the case is, parties where it's like, yo, there's amazing things happening in the culture, but I also know that everybody doesn't get this opportunity and why is that? So if they could get in a room, I don't care if they're the best or whatever the case is, but like, no, just that they're there and they're able to live a full life. To me, that's the most amazing part over any art product or whatever museum or gallery. Like, no, just the fact that they're there and creating and they're living a, a full life, to me, that's the blessing. Man, the more disruption, I know it's like a trendy word to say, but the more people that are, you know, fucking shit up, getting through those doors, saying that I have value, I have merit. Like, I'm, like the dopest movie I've seen, of course, we all like Black Panther, but I've seen in the past few years beyond Black Panther on that large, you know, large scale was Moonlight. And of course, yeah, I'm a black dude, but I'm not gay. But what I got from it in that moment was like, wow, look at my black brothers getting this story out there to the public and being just as valued and just as like important as any other person, any other character with a story on on, on a main screen release release film. I'm like, that's fucking dope that I can go to, you know, Harlem, AMC, wherever. And it's like, see the story of my gay brothers, you know, on screen being like, you know, champion, being shown to be normal, just like regular every everyday human beings. Like five years ago, that would never happen. Never happened. And the fact that we're moving to a place where one, that story could have a, that movie could have a wide release. Two, that it could be such a predominantly black cast and still make money. And that it catapults a, a director like Barry Jenkins in a place where he can do any movie he fucking wants after that. I'm all for it. Keep it moving. And it doesn't, it's, and I want more. Yeah, I want it's crazy. More. And it is a little, it's crazy because there's a little gem on, on that story alone because I think when the film came out, I was in like at a low creative point. Ton of client work, not enough like, expression, not enough fulfillment in it. 
And I was just like going through it and I saw Moonlight and it totally inspired me because I saw myself in, in the characters and, and how they were. Of course, Mary Man's very heterosexual guy, but I have friends who very much resonate with this story and like being able to empathize and understand from their perspective was amazing. So I shot Barry a DM and I was just like, hey, I just saw this film. Like, we've always followed each other on Twitter, but I never... Um, interact with him about his like f- I didn't even know he was a director I just thought he was somebody that liked clothes because I talked about clothes but we just connected about clothes and throughout the years and now like years later I DM him like this film is amazing I didn't even know you directed it this is great and he just comes back and I'm like all oh, this this film like the texture of the film the color the the model selections all inspire like Stratica's work with the US Open he's like those editorials those photos and I went back and I looked at the models and they looked just like the characters from the, and I was just like damn just being able it, it just inspired me so much because I was like here I am at this low creative point and knowing that like this film won an Oscar that you've contributed to in, in sort of like inspiration and providing a depth of story. I was just like, yeah, there's no way, like the type of creativity I have should be on that level with more. Like, and there's that's no what way. everyone needs to understand it. Kids, adults, whatever, like all the work that you do is it's, it's not for nothing. Once, once, If you're doing it generally and you're working hard towards it, you may not end up at that highest level, but if you do, if you put something out there in the ether and you tried your ass off to do it, it's, you're going to keep getting better and it's going to keep getting better. If one person looked at it, you never know that one person could be Barry Jenkins. That one person could be, you know, Joshua Kissy. That one person could be whomever. But you got to do it to get it done. Because, you know, so I always, again, I have all these little tomes, but, you know, nothing will always come from nothing, but something, you know, but anything can come from something. You just got to do it. And I think now we're in a place where literally, if you do something, it could just explode. And I know there's a hierarchy within anything, you know, after a point, certain point in time, all industries become like corporatized to the point where anybody can't just walk in and get to that highest stage. Gatekeepers start, you know, they start once things are built, somebody want to put a gate around it. But, you know, keep breaking those things out, keep finding new two new ways to break through, finding new angles, coming with new visuals, new, new, new colors, new saturations, new points. It's like whatever you can fuck with, just keep doing it, whatever, like whatever, just try to find your angle and make it work because... We're in a place right now that you can't blame anybody for not achieving shit nowadays. You can blame somebody for not it not being as widely accepted or being mainstream, but you can't say anyone stopped you from picking up a fucking camera and taking a photo. Like, what's the excuse? What's the excuse? I, don't, I can't afford a camera? Then ask somebody or borrow it or rent it. Like, we're at a point where things are becoming so accessible, there's literally no excuse not to try some shit. I mean, if you can't take a photo, then put your, take a pencil and get a piece of paper and write something. Maybe write the script for the next movie that you can't particularly pick up and afford a camera to, to go make. It's always work to be done. And as long as you're active about that and always working on that path, working on a path in your craft, like, I think I really believe that all the opportunities are, r- are right ahead of you. Like, and it's going to get even better. We're talking about that and this now in 2018. Imagine what's good, what 2020 is going to look like, 2025 20, and moving forward. Like, we're going to own all this shit. You know what I mean? And by we, I mean like everyone out here working of all backgrounds, of all colors. And yes, of course, that includes white people, of course. I'm not trying to be uh, exclusive in any sort of way. But now it's, it's becoming a level playing field. It's almost like becoming sports to a degree. Creativity, in my opinion. Like, yo, you can dribble the ball like that. You can shoot like Steph Curry. You're going to get put on because people are going to notice that. There's other there's applications that we have now, whether it's Instagram or otherwise, that your work is going to get a chance to shine and be put in, in a place where somebody can like judge it and critique it and say like, hey, I think this is like a real, like a, you know, all-star level photo or, you know, 
you know, starter level photo. Like that's gonna be all, all that stuff is coming, man, to where we can like, truly be able to assess the quality of images and the quality of like stories and art direction. Like we're gonna, you know what I'm saying it's gonna be American Idol for like photography. I, I, you know what I mean? I'm not even, like, you joke. Remember I said that's it. Funny. You, know I mean? but, like, you should definitely remember, sell that remember, idea. Remember, remember I said that's it. Like idea right this there. is where all this stuff is gonna get. With the commodification comes new platforms. Like people, we went from talking about musicians on like Hot 97 these radio stations, and now there's, there's you have you have a podcast talking about just creatives. So, like, what is that morph into in the next two years? Even more granular like ideas and more points of intersection that we can have these conversations about. Overall, like that is the most interesting thing for me because I. I was I knew that there was something like amiss when I, everyone was talking to me was like oh everything's so bad like I, I don't believe everything's that negative so it's like refreshing to hear from your guys' perspective that it's not as it's not that dystopian you guys see it with a sense of excitement I think we all need to have not only just a balanced perspective but understand like where everyone's coming from because this is it this is like empathy at its finest like me kind of relating maybe more because like as you mentioned walking to the Apple store like seeing all these people of different walks of life. For me, I'm like, you know what? I don't think people ever were under the, like certain people were ever under the belief that that couldn't be them. But for you guys, there was that sort of very real barrier that is no longer there. For me, I think I'm the most happy because of that opportunity. Like there's something I always say, and I'm not sure if I got it from someplace or just like it made sense and I, I just keep saying it now, but like to me equality other than like having that equal respect and being able to accept differences is for me having the ability to fail because there's never going to be equality of outcomes some people some person going to either be naturally more talented someone may be naturally more this naturally more that naturally more easy to make relationships naturally more talented to take a photo but if we all have the opportunity what it seems like we're working towards to be able to like oh i can pick up a camera i can pick up a uh, you know uh whatever a pen start writing something and if i do a good enough job i can get on maybe netflix or maybe i can write fucking bad planter or if i you know go save my money from wall street i can like finance one of these creative products or finance a business for myself the more disruptive shit, shit gets you know the more people can like break down that door go into those rooms and start you know fixing the lights oh i don't like how it looks in there i'm gonna make it a red light i'm gonna get you know that's what tonal's doing like those barriers are, are falling by the day and that's what makes me excited. If you'd like to hear more stories like this one and more from the world of creative culture and beyond, check them out at making.com. That's M-A-E-K-A-N.com or search for us on your favorite podcast app.